3: a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team.
4: Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee, Andrew Tate appeared in court, and Councilwoman Eunice Dwumfor was killed outside her home. Here's your National News Recap for the week of January 29th. The Speaker of the House is defending a move to oust Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from a key committee. California's Kevin McCarthy pointed to the fact that Democrats removed several Republicans from all their committee assignments in the last Congress due to comments they made. He noted Omar is only being removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee and she can serve on others. The House voted in favor of removing the Minnesota Democrat from the panel as punishment for controversial and anti-Semitic comments she made about Israel. Former President Clinton returned to the White House Thursday. He was there for an event celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Family and Medical Leave Act. The Democrats signed it soon after taking office. The Biden administration says the law has helped Americans take up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave from work, for various reasons including serious illness. President Biden issued a presidential memorandum on the matter as well. Gun safety groups are calling on the White House to come up with a plan to stop gun violence by the State of the Union address, which is next week.
5: I agree with
0: the rights of people to own guns and firearms. However, assault weapons, those things, they don't have a purpose in our society.
4: Kathy Taylor heads Journey Forward, which helps victims of gun violence. They're one of more than 100 organizations that have signed onto a letter demanding action from the president. They suggest declaring a national emergency on gun violence, along with establishing a federal gun violence prevention office. President Biden said the country needs to continue to look out for each other. He spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast Thursday morning. Biden noted the number of tragedies the nation has gone through the past few years, including the pandemic, forest fires, and mass shootings. The president said when we're present in our lives, we'll find more unites us than divides us. Biden urged Americans to remember who we are and start treating each other with respect. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says it would be an economic disaster if the U.S. were to default on its debt. That's what would happen if Congress fails to raise the debt ceiling by June. Schumer urged Republicans not to use the debt ceiling as a bargaining chip to impose cuts in federal spending. He said lawmakers need to raise the limit without brinksmanship. This comes after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy met with President Biden Wednesday to discuss how to avoid a default. McCarthy said he wouldn't pass a bill to raise the debt limit without spending cuts attached. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden both say they had a good meeting over the debt ceiling in a rare instance of bipartisanship. The two met Wednesday for about an hour, with McCarthy telling reporters they had a good talk. Thursday morning, Biden told the National Prayer Breakfast audience he and McCarthy had a good meeting and will be treating each other with respect. McCarthy is rejecting Biden's clean bill that would only raise the debt ceiling without spending cuts attached. While speaking to reporters, the California Republican said he won't pass an increase without spending reform. He plans to meet with President Biden again to find ways to make spending cuts. A bipartisan group of lawmakers want President Biden to elevate a key government position focused on drug control. In a letter, members of Congress called on Biden to reinstate the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy to a cabinet-level position. They said doing so can help better address the overdose epidemic in the U.S. The move would enable the ONDCP to better coordinate drug control efforts across federal agencies. The opioid epidemic kills more than 100,000 Americans each year. President Biden's top economic aide, Brian Deese, is stepping down. Deese helped craft Biden's economic legislation through the American Rescue Plan. The New York Times reports his departure has been long planned since he began commuting to D.C. from New England, where his family lives. Deese has yet to announce a new job lined up, and the Biden administration hasn't named his successor. Some Republicans may be willing to work with Democrats on reproductive rights. However, Director of White House Gender Policy Council Jennifer Klein says it's also important to pay more accurate attention
0: some Republicans trying to moderate their view, but I think it's really important to look at their voting record. Many who are talking about protecting women's access to health care are actually voting quite differently.
4: Pressed on some groups trying to also restrict medication abortions, Klein reminded those are safe and have been on the market for two decades. She also said the White House is committed to protecting access to that. One Tennessee state representative is filing bills in response to the death of Tyrene Nichols at the hands of Memphis police. Nichols was beaten by five police officers and died three days later from his injuries. One bill from Justin Jones would require that police be in marked cars when making non-emergency stops. The Memphis officers involved in Nichols' beating were in unmarked cars. Another bill would allow people to sue police officers in civil court. The Democrat says the proposed legislation is about accountability and making sure people have a right to go after those who abuse rights. I'm Allie Bruce and that was your National News.
3: This is Connor Brown with your international news report. All sources coming from Reuters. Andrew Tate turned woman into slaves, prosecutors say. The woman from Moldova thought it was love. Internet celebrity Andrew Tate had offered her a new life. They'd even discussed marriage. He only asked for one thing, absolute loyalty. You must understand that once you were mine, you'll be mine forever. Tate told her on February 4th last year, one of dozens of WhatsApp messages cited by Romanian prosecutors who allege he trafficked and sexually exploited several women. Tate, an influencer with millions of online followers, urged the Moldovan woman to join him in Romania. Nothing bad will happen, he reassured her on February 9th, but you have to be on my side. The following month, Romanian prosecutors say, Tate raped the woman twice in the country while seeking to enlist her in a human trafficking operation focused on making pornography for the online platform OnlyFans, a site that allows people to sell explicit videos of themselves. British American Andrew Tate, 36, who's been based mainly in Romania since 2017, and his 34-year-old brother have denied all allegations against them. Reuters was unable to reach them in police detention for comment. Reuters translated the WhatsApp exchanges with the Moldovan woman, which appear in Romanian in the court document, back into English. Their original language while accurate the translation of the romanian version provided by prosecutors may not be identical to the initial wording the brothers used deception and intimidation to bring six women under their control and transform them into slaves prosecutors said in the document the 61-page file Produced by Bucharest court officials, comprises minutes of a hearing when a judge extended the Tate's detention, plus evidence submitted by the prosecution. And for our second story of today, Ukraine urged the European Union on Thursday to impose more sanctions on Moscow as some of the bloc's top officials visited Kiev in a show of solidarity that offered no quick path to membership during Russia's invasion. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen led a delegation of more than a dozen officials that promised military, financial, and political aid before the first anniversary of the February 24th invasion. Europe has been by Ukraine's side since day one, because we know the future of our continent is being written here. This is a fight of democracies against authoritarian regimes, von der Leyen told a news conference in Kiev. She had a first meeting with President Volodymyr Zelensky shortly after her arrival, and the two leaders will hold the summit on Friday with Charles Michel, chairman of the EU's 27 national leaders. The West stepped up pledges to deliver more arms to Ukraine in January, but unwilling to admit a country at war, the EU is set to dash Ukraine's hope of being swiftly allowed membership, underlying the need for more anti-corruption measures. Today, we are proposing to Ukraine to join key European programs. This will give Ukraine benefits close to those of membership in many areas, von der Leyen said without committing to any dates. Zelensky, who greeted von der Leyen with kisses on the cheek, and said they had discussed a 10th EU sanction package against Russia. We can see that the pace of Europe's sanctions has slightly slowed down, while the terrorist state, on the contrary, is increasing its pace of adapting to sanctions, he said, standing beside von der Leyen. The EU did, however, announce a doubling of the number of Ukrainian troops to be trained by the EU to 30,000 this year, and promised 25 million euros for demining areas recaptured by Ukraine. And for our third and final story of today, Majid Khan, a Pakistani man who has described in graphic detail as torture by the Central Intelligence Agency in the aftermath of September 11, 2001, attacks on the United States, has been transferred from Guantanamo Bay U.S. detention facility in Cuba to Belize, the Pentagon said on Thursday, Khan 42 admitted in 2012 to conspiring with members of the Al-Qaeda Islamic Militant Organization responsible for the 2001 attacks to commit murder, as well as providing material support for terrorism and spying, and has been serving as a government witness since, according to U.S. officials. He was captured in Pakistan and held at an unidentified CIA black site from 2003 to 2006 before being placed at the detention camp at the U.S. naval base, at Guantanamo Bay. In a statement issued through his legal team, Khan welcomed what he called the second chance in life. I deeply regret the things that I did many years ago, and I have taken responsibility and tried to make up for them. I continue to ask forgiveness from God and those I have hurt. I am truly sorry, Khan said. Khan was the first Guantanamo detainee released since last October, leaving 34 detainees down from a peak of 800 at the facility, with 20 others already deemed as eligible for transfer to another country, According to U.S. officials, there were 40 detainees at Guantanamo when President Joe Biden, a Democrat, took office in 2021. Biden has said his hopes was to close the facility. The federal government is barred by law. From transferring Guantanamo detainees to U.S. mainland prisons, we remain dedicated to a deliberate and thorough process focused on responsibly reducing the detainee population at Guantanamo Bay and ultimately closing the facility, White House Press Secretary Green Jean-Pierre told reporters. Belize's Foreign Minister Iman Courtney, who met with Khan upon his arrival in Belize, said the released man is free to live the rest of his life there if he chooses. And this was Connor Brown once again with your international news report.
0: This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray. A New Jersey councilwoman was found shot to death in her car in front of her home on Wednesday, according to authorities. 30-year-old Eunice Duum4 was a Sayreville Republican council member, and this incident is still under investigation. A suspect is in custody for attempting to firebomb a synagogue in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Nicholas Malandratos, 26, of Clifton, faces several charges including attempted use of fire to damage or destroy a building. He could spend up to 20 years in prison if convicted. Police are searching for a stolen pickup truck that crashed into a father and his two children, killing a five-year-old girl in Newark. It was a gray Dodge Ram that had been stolen in South Jersey, authorities said. The man and his two-year-old daughter are suffering from injuries but are expected to survive. Governor Kathy Hochul was in the Bronx shopping around her $227 billion budget proposal. Hochul used her first stop at Albert Einstein College of Medicine to highlight her $1 billion mental health plan. The proposal includes adding 1,000 inpatient beds at state facilities and hospitals and building 3,500 units supported by intensive mental health services. She has also proposed legislation to prohibit insurance companies from denying access to mental health services. Hochul pivoted her focus to kids with plans to put $10 million towards school-based mental health services and another $10 million to bolster suicide prevention programs for at-risk youth. It is Identity Theft Awareness Week, and the Division of Consumer Protection is warning all New Yorkers about credit and debit card skimming scams. They happen at ATMs, gas station pumps, and other unattended payment terminals. And the FBI reports that the scams cost consumers and financial institutions over a $1 billion annually. Thieves attach hidden devices to card reading machines at legitimate retailers to copy card and pin information, which they use to steal money and to make purchases. To help spot a potential scam, always inspect card machines for overlay devices or any abnormalities. Avoid keypads that appear to have overlays on them, keep an eye out for hidden cameras that may be trying to read your transaction, and always review bank or credit card statements to monitor fraud. Police are searching for the person who assaulted an elderly woman at a famous Manhattan candy store. Police say the suspect hit the 90-year-old victim in the face with a hard object while outside Ray's Candy Shop in the East Village around three in the morning Tuesday. The victim is expected to be okay. Police have released surveillance video of the suspect who took off. Around 750 Temple University teaching assistants and research assistants went on strike on Tuesday. They are unionizing for high higher wages, better benefits, and improved working conditions. During this Black History Month, the Long Island critical care nurse who got the very first COVID vaccine is giving back in a big way. Sandra Lindsay made headlines as the first American to get the vaccine, and she was also awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her work on the front lines of the pandemic. She is now VP of Political Advocacy at Northwell Health, facilitating their donation of nearly a million dollars in medical equipment to Jamaica. On Sunday, it was decided that the Philadelphia Eagles will be playing in the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles competed against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC. Quarterback Jalen Hurts led the team to victory, resulting in a score of 31 to seven. Advocates for congestion pricing in Manhattan are pushing back against critics at a rally. Transportation advocacy groups and New York elected officials gathered at the George Washington Bridge with the federal government soon set to announce a decision on the plan. They say critics have offered no alternative to reducing congestion while at the same time raising money to upgrade and repair the subway system. Congressional members in New Jersey and the Hudson Valley recently unveiled legislation that would block federal grant money for the MTA, unless drivers already paying bridge and tunnel tolls are exempt from congestion pricing. Beyoncé's Renaissance World Tour will come to Philly this July. She will be performing at Lincoln Financial Field in South Philadelphia. That was the local news, and I am Carly Murray.
1: I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. Rowan University's Early Childhood Demonstration Center has earned accreditation from the National Association for the Education of Young Children, a mark of excellence in early childhood education. Housed in James Hall in Rowan's College of Education, the ECDC, serves children ages three to six. The center includes children from other communities as well as kids of Rowan students, staff, and alumni. Currently, the ECDC serves 23 families. Early learning programs accredited by the NAEYC are meticulously measured for indicators of quality in the classroom and beyond, according to the organization's website. N-A-E-Y-C includes more than 60,000 individual members of the early childhood community. It promotes high-quality early learning for all young children by connecting early childhood practice, policy, and research. Easy reading is damn hard writing. So said Nathaniel Hawthorne, the 19th century novelist best known for penning The Scarlet Letter, the story of a young woman in the Massachusetts Bay Colony who has a child out of wedlock and is severely punished for it. To make writing a bit less hard, or at least to get their creative output started, writers for generations have attended retreats. From January 13th to the 15th, some students in Roan University's popular writing arts program attended Pendle Hill, a Quaker retreat in Wallingford, PA, where they studied the power of nature to inspire creativity and learnt the value of time spent with other writers. Three writing arts faculty and 13 students took part in the retreat, a program first held in 2020. Assistant Professor Megan Atwood said the weekend included a range of activities and games to spur creative thinking as well as time for dining, rest, and, of course, writing. I'm Dante Valerio. This has been your Rowan News.
4: That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team.
2: This is Nick Carlson with your Rowan Report and the news around the professional world of sports. In the biggest news of the week, specifically locally, the Philadelphia Eagles are on their way to Super Bowl 57. The Eagles come off a stellar performance against the San Francisco 49ers, specifically defensively. Brock Purdy tore his UCL on the first drive thanks to a Hassan Reddick strip sack, and from there the Eagles ran their way to victory. The Birds total over 150 total rushing yards to go along with four total rushing touchdowns in their 31-7 blowout and punched their ticket to Arizona. On the other side of the league in the AFC, it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs advancing to Arizona with their narrow victory over Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Mahomes and the Chiefs were in control for the majority of the game with kicker Harrison Bucker notching a field goal as time ran down in the fourth quarter. Mahomes threw for 326 yards to go along with two touchdowns and no interceptions, as this is a stunning accomplishment for Mahomes as he is currently playing with a high ankle sprain, an injury we have seen many athletes be sidelined multiple weeks for. This now sets up the battle of heavyweights as both teams are atop their conference at the number one seed. This will be the first time since the 2017 season both number one seeds made the Super Bowl, with it funny enough being the Eagles and the Patriots back in Super Bowl 52 with the Eagles coming out on top. This will be Mahomes' third Super Bowl game in five years, and for Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, they make their Super Bowl debut on February 12th in Arizona. In other news around the football world, the coaching carousel is in full force as three of the five vacant head coaching jobs are now filled. D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers has been hired by the Houston Texans. Ryan's a linebacker, and his playing days spent six years with the Texans before being traded to Philly back in 2012. In the biggest news of the week, Sean Payton, former Super Bowl winning coach with the Saints, came out of retirement to ink a five-year deal with the Denver Broncos. The news behind it is confusing to say the least. Although Sean Payton retired, he was still on his contract with the Saints. Therefore, Denver was forced to strike a deal with the New Orleans Saints involving a first-round pick and more in a trade for head coach Sean Payton. In NBA news, as we approach the trade deadline, the NBA standings are starting to remain firm. The 76ers hold the third spot in the East just behind the Nets and with the Celtics at the number one spot. Inside the West, the Nuggets have a strong grasp on the number one seed with 35 wins. While the Pelicans have lost their ninth straight game, things are looking down in New Orleans. Rumors have swirled specifically around the Portland Trailblazer guard OG and Anubi as first-round picks are what is thought to be the asking price, but as we get closer to the trade deadline... The only known team bidding is the New York Knicks. I've been Nick Carlson with your Rowan Report and news all around the professional world of sports.
5: I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. General Motors says hourly workers will receive record profit-sharing checks of up to nearly 13 grand. Before this check, the highest payout came in 2016 at $12,000 per employee. GM pays employees $1,000 for every $1 billion in North American pre-tax profits. The checks will go out February 24th. McDonald's CEO says it may be impossible to operate in California after passage of fast food worker protections. Julie Ryan reports.
6: The FAST Bill, or Fast Food Accountability and Standards Recovery Act, passed in late 2022 and could force fast food restaurants to pay employees up to $22 an hour. Industry leaders like McDonald's, U.S. President Joe Erlinger, say that would make it all but impossible to run small business restaurants. He added that paying fast food workers that wage could raise the cost of eating at McDonald's by as much as 20%. The bill has been blocked until a referendum vote, which is scheduled for November. I'm Julie Ryan,
5: the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates again to bring down inflation. The central bank increased rates by a quarter percentage point, and federal chair Jerome Powell said while inflation is indeed slowing, it still remains too high. He says he anticipates ongoing hikes will be needed to bring inflation down to the Fed's 2% goal. Thursday's rate hike marks a further slowdown in the Fed's pace of rate increases. The Fed raised rates by 50 basis points in December and 75 basis points several times last year. Home prices growth is slowing. The latest S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index released Tuesday showed prices jumped just under 8% in November. That's down from October's year-over-year growth rate of just over 9%. Miami, Atlanta, and Tampa, Florida saw the biggest year-over-year jump in prices. November marked the fifth straight month of falling home prices in the U.S., Last July was the first month to see a month-over-month decrease since February 2012. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report.
6: And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Colon. The youngest cast member from the 1960s TV series The Addams Family has died. Lisa Loring, who played Wednesday Adams, passed away Saturday following a massive stroke. Her friend, Laurie Jacobson, added on social media that the medical condition was brought on by smoking and high blood pressure, and that she has been on life support for three days. Among her other roles, Loring had a reoccurring part on As the World Turns from 1980 to 1983. She was 64 years old. Alec Baldwin is being formally charged with involuntary manslaughter in the deadly 2021 shooting on the film set of Rust in New Mexico. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot and killed when Baldwin fired a prop gun loaded with a real bullet. Hannah Gurez reed the person in charge of prop guns on the movie set, is also facing the same charges as Baldwin. The Santa Fe District Attorney filed the charges Wednesday. Baldwin could be facing five years in prison if convicted. Rapper Young Gravy is getting rickrolled. An attorney for Rick Astley filed a lawsuit against the rapper, his producers, and Republic Records in Los Angeles Superior Court. The lawsuit claims Young Gravy impersonated Astley at the beginning of the song, Betty Get Money. Attorneys called the alleged impersonation deliberate theft of Astley's voice in the complaint. Astley's attorney is Richard Bush, who successfully represented Marvin Gaye's family in a $5 million copyright infringement case over 2013 song, Blurred Lines. Some anonymous Academy Award voters are speaking out about the controversy surrounding actress Andrea Reisberg's surprise nomination for Best Actress. Aggressive campaign tactics were reportedly used to get Reisberg nominated for her role in To Leslie, a film little known to the masses. The Board of Governors is set to meet tomorrow to discuss the controversy surrounding Reisberg and To Leslie. The wait for tour dates is over for Beyoncé fans. The Break My Soul singer announced she'll head out on a massive 47-date stadium trek that will begin in Europe before making her way to North America. The U.S. leg of the tour will kick off on July 12th in Philadelphia. The Renaissance World Tour will also make stops in Chicago, East Rutherford, Miami, Los Angeles, and Glendale, Arizona. The tour ends on September 27th in New Orleans. Elton John has broken the record for highest-grossing tour of all time. Consequence Sound reports his massive Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour has brought in more than $817 million since it kicked off in 2018. This beats the $776 million Ed Sheeran raked in during his The Divide soar in 2019. Avatar The Way of Water is entering the top 10 of all time at the domestic box office. Worldwide, the film has skyrocketed and sits in fourth place for highest grossing film of all time. It has made over $2.1 billion in total. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio.
4: And that wraps up this week's edition of The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day.